Welcome to A Canadian Investing in the U.S., a podcast and YouTube channel focused on Canadians buying real estate with host Glenn Sutherland. Welcome to another episode of A Canadian Investing in the U.S. This week, our special guest is Luke Boyron. Um, Luke, why don't you start by just telling us a little bit about yourself? So my name's Luke. I'm a full-time investor here in the GTA, Greater Toronto Area, uh, and I kind of invest all over Southern Ontario. Um, I uh, grew up in a family of real estate, you know, surrounded by real estate. My father was a commercial real estate agent for 50 plus years. And uh, I got into real estate investing in 2007 when I was in undergrad and I went, continued investing part-time um, in real estate all through school. And went through law school, became a lawyer, and then I quit law to do this full time. Well, I was talking to Luke ahead of time, and he was going to talk about finding deals, a bit about his three exit strategies, which is wholesaling, flipping, and wholetailing. Could you speak a little bit about just how the whole business runs then, I guess? For sure. I mean, the main part of my business is finding deals. That's the most important part. So uh, I have three exit strategies once I find a deal, but you can't really make money in this business or make good money in, in this active flipping, wholesaling, wholetailing part of the business if you can't find a property at a proper discount. So um, I actually have a full-time person who works for me now, uh, my acquisitions manager, and his job is to take phone calls from sellers and um, look for their motivation and analyze whether or not they're willing to sell at a proper discount for us to make money on the property. So my role within that is training him, making sure we're getting proper deals, finding the funding, um, and also dealing with all the marketing. And I also manage the flips um, just once we get the property. So I have someone on my team, only job is finding deals. Now I market for the deals. So we do a few different things. We have online marketing, um, which is one of our best lead sources. We also do handwritten letters, photocopies of handwritten letters as flyers. So that helps us find um, motivated sellers who may not otherwise be looking on the internet for, for a business like ours. And it also separates us from the competition. Um, Sometimes when I do get a lead for a motivated seller or someone who says, yes, I want to sell my house without a real estate agent, I don't want to have, you know, I don't want to have to pay those closing costs, I don't have to fix anything, I want to close quickly, can you help me? Yes, sure, great. Um, they seem motivated, and then we get there and we realize that they're talking to five or ten other people and uh, who do the same thing as I do or similar things. So when you're in that competition, it rarely works out that you, there's a deal left to be had. Um, so when I do the mailings, it gives me the opportunity to reach out to someone directly, individually, and not have um, the competition that I would otherwise have. Yeah, you're, you're mentioning like uh, reaching out to these, and then they, they call you back. Is there specific questions that you use to try and determine the motivation? The biggest one, is, well, it, it's relatively open. It's asking them, why are you looking this up? Now, you know, I got divorced or... Um, I, you know, I need to buy this other property quickly. You know, there's usually a situation that makes them want to sell or there isn't. And, you know, sometimes the phone calls we get are, I'm listed with a real estate agent right now. It's been listed for two months and it hasn't sold. I'm asking, you know, 600,000, will you pay me 590? And the answer is no. I mean, <laughs> it's not, it hasn't sold on the MLS for two months at 600,000. No way I'm paying 590. Uh, it's overpriced probably. and they're probably not the right sellers for me. Um, when I'm trying to, to suss out motivation, it's, it's figuring out why they don't want to sell with, uh, with, with a realtor, go the traditional route. And I often push sellers towards a realtor. 
you know, if you sell with a realtor, you'll probably end up getting more money. Um, even, you know, after you take into they, you'll probably sell at a higher price, but they will take some of it as a, as a commission. So, you know, are you sure you don't want to sell with a realtor? And I push them towards it to really suss out, are they motivated enough that for whatever reason, they don't want to go the traditional route? Um, and then the main thing that I try to get out of every seller always, and sometimes they make it difficult, but it, how much do they want? Um, I always want them to start with the price that they want rather than me spending my time going through um, analyzing comparables, or in this case, my acquisitions manager, but analyzing comparables, looking at what's sold in the neighborhood, only to tell them, hey, I can pay you 500000 and they say, no, I want six fifty. I don't want to go that route. So if they tell me, oh, I want five fifty, then at a quick glance looking in the neighborhood, I can see, okay, well, I actually might be in their ballpark. Maybe I'm at five hundred. Maybe I can negotiate them down. But if if they tell me they want seven hundred thousand, and I look at what's selling in the area, at first glance everything's at five hundred thousand. I won't waste my time. So the main thing is how much do they want for it? And why are they selling? And you have the advantage of being more creative. For sure, and that's something that uh, sometimes people don't think about. It's if you sell your house and you want to buy another one, you need to put a deposit on the next house. But the deposit you receive from the buyer of your property doesn't get released to you. It gets held by your lawyer. So you sell your house. The new the buyer from you gives it, let's say, a $50,000 deposit to your lawyer. You don't see that money until it closes. So a lot of people are living paycheck to paycheck. They don't have that extra money to have a deposit to buy another property. So where are they going to get that? So uh, something I did recently, there was a, a wholesale I'm doing in Georgetown, is the sellers um, wanted to get that money. And they owned the property free and clear. So I said to them, and they wanted a two-month closing to find another property. What I said to them is, why don't we register a mortgage on your property? I'll give you a $20 deposit now, and I'll register another $50,000 deposit as a mortgage on your property until closing, interest-free, for two months until I close on your property. And what that does is they now, it took about a week and a half to pay for it. There were some legal costs, probably three, $4,000. My lawyer, their lawyer, right? But they now are getting $50,000. They can go put that as a deposit on another property. They can pay, in this case, the sick father's medical bills. They had some hospice bills. And they can use it for moving money as well, to pack up you know, all that, those things that they'll need to do, because they didn't have any cash in their bank account, even though they owned this property pretty clear. So I did that for them. And in exchange, I was able to get the property at enough of a discount. And I actually um, wholesaled that property. It's closing later this month. Um, sold it to another flipper who's going to make a good chunk of change on it. When I saw your post on Facebook, and a lot of people are, what their big question was for you was, why would you want to wholesale the property at all? Why wouldn't you just go and sell it on the MLS? For the, the listeners, I have um, an advertisement on Facebook that basically says, hey, I buy more houses than, than I can flip. If you want to get on my buyer's list, click the go to this link and you can get discounted properties. And, you know, some people are super supportive and they're like signing up for my buyers list or they're saying, you know, I can get great deals from Luke, that's wonderful. Um, other people are saying, this is a scam. Why would anyone sell their house in the GTA at a discount? If you got this deal, why wouldn't you just sell it at re full retail value and get the full amount? There's a lot of reasons for that. Um, part of it is because I'm in, in the active business of flipping, I can't go to a tra traditional bank and get regular financing. So when I finance a flip, I'm paying 8, 10, 12%, often plus fees, 
in order to get the financing to buy this property. So just for me to buy this property, close on it, and resell it, um, I'm going to have a ton of financing costs. I'm also going to have legal costs on the purchase and sale. I'm going to have land transfer tax. And if the property's in Toronto, it's going to be double. Double. Um, and I'm going to have the real estate agent commissions often if I'm selling it full retail. So all those things can add up to, you know, if I'm if I bought a property for that's as is MLS value worth seven hundred thousand, I might be willing to sell it for six hundred and twenty, six hundred and thirty thousand. That might be worth it to me, or, or even less, because I won't have to come up with those those costs. Um, another reason that sometimes makes sense is it might be a great property. Um, for someone who wants to buy it as a long-term hold. It might be a good duplex, triplex, or just a property that's gonna cash flow well. And that may not be uh, the best property for me to close on and resell. Because sometimes the properties are in decent condition, they're rent ready. So if I'm not look, if I'm not in the market myself for a property that I wanna rent, then I should sell that to someone who wants to be a landlord. Um, I just got that chance to get it because I bought the property at a discount. Okay, wholesaling. What else do we wanna talk about wholesaling? So on the wholesaling front, just a little bit about I know um, I know you interviewed Matt Geertz, yep. uh, a friend of mine, who, on about wholesaling. So he's explained it a bit, but just so I, I'll quickly go over um, what those three kind of exit strategies are, yep. uh, and then maybe I can give examples of each one that I've, I've done. So the first one is wholesaling, and that's basically like we've been talking about: it, buying the property at a discount, and then now that I have this property under contract, I sell the contract to another investor. Um, for a fee, and that investor takes over and closes on the property. So um, that's the first way to do it, uh, or the, my first exit strategy. Um, another one that I do maybe more often is the reno and flip, or the flip. Basically, I'll buy a property, usually at a, enough of a discount. Um, I'll send in contractors to renovate it and make it look like a new house, and then I'll sell it on the market at really top market value full retail, no discount. <laughs> and then the last one is, uh, it's kind of an, an intersection of both. It's, I call it the whole tail. Well, I didn't I didn't coin the word, but it's basically selling the wholesale to the retail market. Um, so I'll go through examples of each of those. Uh, my best wholesale deal, uh, and I don't talk about it much, but I should, was uh, last year I bought a property um, in a suburb of Toronto in Mississauga. And, um, I sold the contract to someone else for a $70,000 wholesale fee. Um, yeah, so about a week after I put it under contract, I sold it to someone else for a $70,000 wholesale fee. I was able to do that because I got a deal with a lot of meat on the bone, and I was really helping the sellers out of a situation that they needed to get out of you know, quickly. They, it, it helped them be comfortable. The buyer from me made more, I just found out um, maybe last week, he sold the property. He made about $110,000. Okay, I have, I have a question about all that. So whenever you're making a wholesale fee that large, does it cross your mind to maybe do a double close just to hide the wholesale fee? Is it even Does that make sense at some point to do it? Because would some buyers shy away from when they see that in the contract when it goes across that somebody in the middle is making that much? So so that is a concern. Um, I've never heard of the double close done here in okay. Canada. I remember sitting down with the seller we met at McDonald's, or the the assignee yeah. from the buyer of this of this deal. Uh, we sat down in McDonald's and, you know, I was asking 550000 and I, and I 
I said to them, if I had bought this deal for $1 and was selling it to you for $400,000, would you care that I was making $400,000? Or would you be excited to be getting this property for $400,000 instead of five fifty that I'm selling it to you for now? I'd be happy to get it for $400,000. I wouldn't care that you're making $400,000 on that. So I said, exactly. So what does it matter what I'm making? Now, I understand realistically it matters a little bit just in terms of uh, maybe emotionally, but it also matters in terms of finding the buyer because many lenders won't lend on the assignment fee. So if I buy a property for 100,000, assign it for 120, the buyer from me is going to the bank as, and the bank is looking at it as if the purchase price was 100,000. So the, the assignee will have to come up with that extra 20,000 cash in addition to the down payment on the 100,000. So that's a factor I have to take into account how is it going to narrow my buyer's pool, my buyer pool to have a large assignment fee, and they may not be able to fund that that difference. In this case, the the buyer was actually using a line of credit on his principal residence. He didn't. He wasn't even getting a loan on the property at all. It was all cash, and so it didn't really matter. Well, that works for him too, because then he can uh, refinance basically as soon as he does his reno, or even right away and take. Well, he get sold money. It. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so for wholesaling, I guess actually for a lot of these things, for contracts. So when you were starting out. To get these contracts, did you just go online and purchase them from somewhere? Did a lawyer provide them, or how, how did you come up with your contracts? Did you write them yourself? Or? Uh, what I will say is I use the standard real estate agent contracts. Um, yeah. I know that technically you aren't allowed doing that, so um, <laughs> I can't advise people to do that, but yeah. you can find those floating around on the internet. And yeah. the standard, they have all the standard language around here. They're a bit long, but they have certain legal protections in there that are useful to have. So I would recommend using those. Um, and there's a few different standard clauses that I like to have in the agreements, uh, certain things about visits. Um, some people will put in their conditions, you know, I have the right to visit the property two more times before closing. Yep. Um, the way I word it is uh, I have the right to visit the property from time to time with 24 hours notice. And so I don't limit the number of visits in it. If it's, a pr if it's something that maybe I wouldn't close on, like maybe it's a good rental, and I'm going to try to find a rent, a landlord buyer, then I'll put in a condition that gives me time to find a buyer. So that might be five or 10 business days. And I use a generic condition that I just call the partner approval condition. And I wouldn't say this works on the MLS if you're trying to make offers through real estate agents, but I put in a condition that says, this offer is conditional for five business days upon uh, partner approval. Um, you know, and that if, if I don't provide notice that the condition is waived, then the deal is void and I get my deposit back. So the reason I, I, I put that in is it's relatively vague, um, the partner approval. Yeah. And it can mean a lot of things, right? So if I can't get financing, well, my partner's not financing the property, so I didn't get partner approval. If the condition ends up being worse than I thought, well, my partner didn't approve the condition. So it really gives me kind of a subjective reasons to get out of the property because my one of my partners doesn't approve. And then... So that's what I use as a kind of generic out if I go conditional on the property. I do like to, you know, hopefully keep it as a price that I have the backup option to just flip it. For the whole tailing, it sounds like a, a large amount of money is being spent on a real estate agent. Have you thought about getting a license? I think um, having relationship with real estate agents is extremely important in this business. You need to know what properties are worth. and. Um, the MLS, I mean, there's other websites out there like Bongo House and things like that that kind of give you an idea. But the MLS and having you know full MLS access 
makes a huge difference um, in looking at comparables, seeing the photos of what sold at what price, how long it was on the market, things like that. So that information is invaluable. And if you can't get a realtor to work closely with you, um, who's willing to provide you comparables in your market in a reasonable amount of time, it would make sense to get your realtor license. The disadvantage is you're under certain obligations as a realtor. Mm. Um, when I market, my handwritten cop- photocopied letters actually say on them, I am not a, re- I'm not a real estate agent. Some people don't like real estate agents. So I specifically lay out that I'm not a real estate agent. And they understand that there will be no fees because I'm not a real estate agent. Um, so you're at a disadvantage there because you can't say you're not a real estate agent. In fact, all your marketing should say something along the lines of, I am a real estate agent, but I'm trying to buy this for my own purposes. You know, this is not, I'm not trying to represent anyone. You need to disclose that. And I think it could put you at a minor disadvantage. Um, the other thing too, is some of my leads come from, actually a lot come from my connections. People who say, hey, I know that someone in this neighborhood is selling a house, here's their number. Or realtors who say, hey, I've got this listing coming up. It's horrible. It's gross inside. The sellers don't want the neighbors walking through. Will you come and make an offer as is um, and help my sellers out? So I I build those relationships with realtors. And as much as I can tell them, honestly, my brother's a realtor. Um, If you bring me the deal, you're getting the commission. That's just how it is. My brother's not involved. He gets the deal if I'm looking on the MLS. He gets the deal if he brings me the deal. But if someone else brings me the deal, I have to work with them. Otherwise, they would never bring me a deal. I think it would be even harder if I was a realtor to say, oh, bring me deals, show me stuff, but, uh, and and I'm I'm going to use it myself. But don't worry, I'll use you. They're skeptical. (laughs) Many real estate agents have been burned too many times, and they're skeptical of that as well. I think we could sit here and talk for like three hours. Maybe we'll have to do another episode in half a year or so. If you want to just uh, give a quick rant about your business, what it's called, how to contact you. Like- uh, I have a few websites up. Um, my house buying websites are ibuyhousestoronto.ca and cashhousebuyer.ca. Uh, and my main company website is uh, blissrealtyinvestors.com. That's B-L-I-S-S, realtyinvestors.com. Uh, if you want to contact me by email, it's L-U-C-B, Luke B, at cashhousefire.ca. Um, I also host a meetup group. Uh, Glenn, I was lucky to have Glenn speak uh, at the last month's meetup. Uh, people enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, and it really you know, showed people an introduction quite in depth of, of how to invest in the U.S. Uh, so Thanks. that's just called... Appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, uh, people really enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. And it was obvious that you know what you're talking about. Um, <laughs> so if you want to find out that, it, find that. It's on meetup.com uh, or you can email me about it. But it's called Toronto Real Estate Investors Association. Do more deals. We host it uh, once a month on the second Wednesday of every month. Um, and in general, yeah, feel free to email me and get in touch with me. If- well, thank you so much for your time, Luke. It was actually like a bunch of golden nuggets in this conversation i surprised me a couple times with the questions or the answers to the questions i asked so that was great all right thanks again luke we'll talk soon thanks glenn